0: SB Nation and T-Mobile present the 2021 MLB All-Star Preview.
1: Hello and welcome into SB Nation's MLB All-Star Weekend Preview powered by T-Mobile. I'm your host Sam Wilson along with John Stolness of The Good Fight and Brady Klopfer of McCovey Chronicles. Guys, I don't know about you, but I'm a huge fan of the All-Star Weekend usually. I like the fun and games aspect of it. It kind of throws in the younger crowd and makes it a different kind of MLB feel. What are your thoughts going into this weekend, especially after missing the 2020 season? John, I'll start with you.
0: Yeah, hey, Sam. um, This is so much fun. The All-Star Game is great. It's kind of how I got introduced to baseball way back in. I'm going to. Prove myself to be the old guy in the room back in like the the mid 80s, and it's 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 always when you're a kid, it's the first time you get to see your players that you watch night in and night out play with the best players in baseball. So it's you're on that grand stage, and if you're if you root for a team like like the Phillies, like like I do, you know you don't see your team on the big stage most of the time. So it, it's it's <laughs> kind of fun to to get on national TV and and see your players playing with the best players in in, in baseball and there's There's something special to the midsummer classic. I think it's the it's the one all star game that really most resembles what you would see. On a regular on a regular night in night out basis with with the NBA All Star game, there's no defense, and you have games that somebody's almost scoring 200 points, and and you have you know you have in 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 the NFL nobody even cares about the Pro Bowl, you know it's at the (laughs) end of the season when everybody's forgotten about football. Here it's in the middle of the season, you've got you've got a lot of news happening, and it's it's a game that resembles what you would see on a really good crisp summer evening, and so um, I think the All Star game is really special and still unique i think it's the it's the best all-star game of all the four professional major sports still
1: you might be a little biased but i tend to agree we might all be on the same page what about for you brady what's your favorite part about the all-star game what are your thoughts on it
2: yeah i really like the idea that you get to see players that you just don't normally get to see because that's a, a kind of odd thing about being a baseball fan is your team plays six to seven nights a week you don't really get to watch other teams very much. So you become familiar with the players on your team. You become familiar with the players in your division. But outside of your division, and especially outside of your league, you might not really get to ever watch those players. If you're a fan of the National League, you might never really get to watch someone like Shohei Otani because that requires watching another baseball game in addition to the three hours you're already committing every night to watching your own team. So it's other sports I feel like you get it's easier to watch the other stars that aren't on your team or aren't in your division. And, and the Mid-Center Classics kind of the big chance for baseball fans to be able to get together and, and watch all of those players, even if they're not used to watching them.
1: Yeah, and I think that's one of the fun topics about it is it kind of lets those people from the other divisions, like you said, not only allows other people to be able to experience them actually play in live action instead of just clips on Sports Center or something, but then you also get – The fun of, like, who's better? Who's going to start? So we'll get into it. Starters for the American League. The head coach is Kevin Cash of the Rays. So they have catcher Salvador Perez from Kansas City. First baseman, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. from Toronto. Second base, Marcus Simeon of Toronto. Third base, Rafael Devers of Boston. Shortstop, Xander Bogarts of Boston. Outfield, as of right now, it's still Mike Trout. They have not replaced him yet. We'll get in to who you guys might think will replace him in a little bit. Um, This is his ninth straight season, voted voted as an all-star starter, excluding, obviously, 2020. So that's obviously monumental. Um, Aaron Judge of the Yankees, and then Teoscar Hernandez of Toronto finish out that outfield. And then D.H. Shohei Otani, obviously, of the Angels. So before we get into the National League, who replaces Trout in the starting lineup for you guys? Who would you ideally like to see there?
0: I would love to see Michael Brantley. I mean, I I know the Astros having another Astro in the starting lineup isn't a whole lot of fun, but if you're looking at the best overall outfielder, the guy who I think probably is having uh, the best season overall among the reserves, I I think you're probably looking at at Michael Brantley. Um, You know, you could, you could put Shohei Ohtani in the outfield and start him in the outfield and, and then have, you know, J.D. Martinez or Nelson Cruz move into the DH slot at that point, but uh, if if you're if you're looking to keep Shohei Otani as as the DH in this game, Michael Brantley is probably the best player left on the American League roster to move in as as the Mike Trout replacement.
2: I'm gonna go with a, a less known player or less known prior to this year, I guess, and and go with Cedric Mullins. I think he has just been been phenomenal this year. Um, he's, I mean, I think last I checked, I think he might lead the. American League in wins above replacement for outfielders this season. Uh I know it's not very exciting to have a Baltimore Oriole uh <laughs> starting an All-Star game that kind of is the antithesis of of what this event is supposed to be about, but I I think he's just been kind of a next level player this year who's just been buried on a on a really bad team and um just from a talent perspective, I I think that's who I would put in there to replace Trout. Yeah, not great. that anyone can really replace Trout, but
0: and Brady, I was going to say, you're right. He he does have the highest wins above replacement, according to Fangraph's uh, Joey Gallo, number two. So you could also go with Joey Gallo in that spot as well. You're not you're not losing uh, a whole lot there with Mullins. But I mean, to your point, I think I think putting Mullins in the starting lineup, I think that actually really is what the All-Star game is about. You know, you've got you've got if you're an Orioles fan, you have nothing to watch this year, right? I mean, there's you've got nothing. But if you're if your guy gets into the starting lineup, it kind of. It gives you something to look forward to. It gives you something to watch during the All-Star game. To me, that's a g that'd be an awesome thing. That if I was a Phillies fan growing up in the in the, you know, late eighties and Von Hayes somehow makes it into the starting lineup to replace Tony Gwynn or something like that, I'm going out of my mind. So I think that I think that would be a really cool thing. That's a good point.
1: No, it is a great point. And I think it also goes To show for Mullins how great of a year he is having, even though he is, as you guys said, kind of buried on the Orioles for the fact that he was still voted into this. So obviously some Mm -hmm. fans are seeing him, coaches are seeing him. So it's a testament to him really that he even made it here and he's not on the popular team.
0: No, that's true. And you know, every team gets one representative. I know we're going to get into that here in Mm -hmm. in just a few minutes, but you know Mullins has it. He was, he did not get in by charity. You know, he he's hitting 316. You know, he's got an on-base percentage of 384. He's slugging over nearly 550. He's got 16 home runs. I mean, he's, he's doing it all for, for a team that is a dead team walking. That's really tanking and, and not trying to win this year. So I mean that is a guy who has all the credentials. I I, I changed my answer. <laughs> Brady, I think you had the right answer. You persuaded him. I think us. Cedric <laughs> Mullins.
2: You did. I, I think I think I, Mullins is the right guy. I'm taking a point for that one. Yeah. Not not that we're keeping score here, but but now I am. Yeah.
1: So it did come out already that Correa and Altuve are opting out of the reserves list. Um, Bo Bichette is the only middle infielder now left on the reserve list for the AL roster. So what are, you guys, what are some ideas that, of people that you guys see hopping on that list if you think they even need to add more for the middle infielders on the reserve list?
0: I mean I think if you're looking at uh, if you're looking at different possibilities I think Whit Merrifield was a guy who kind of got snubbed a little bit. He's kind of a throwback guy, a uh, big stolen base guy, a guy who, you know, that's just not what you see in in major league baseball anymore, but Whit Merrifield with the Royals uh, puts up a lot of stolen bases, 23 stolen bases. He scored 50 runs this year. He's a top of the lineup guy, kind of a leadoff type hitter. Which those guys are not celebrated in baseball very much anymore. I mean, we're we're a long way since the days of Tim Raines and Vince Coleman and and really Ricky Henderson. Those guys at the top of the lineup that didn't hit for a lot of power but could really set the table and and run around the bases quite a bit. But I think Merrifield is a guy who you know he's not. An upper echelon offensive player, but he he gives you a ton with his defense, and he gives you that element that you just don't see in baseball anymore. And what baseball needs is action; they need action on the bases. I would look for Whit Merrifield to be added to the team probably in the next couple of days.
2: If I were adding two players in there, I would also go with Whit Merrifield, and I'd also add Yohan Moncada, who um he's a very exciting player, he's a very good player. Um, you know, he he brings a lot of a lot of fun, a lot of fun All Star power. And personality, which is fun. Or or you could go with Tim Anderson, I think, would also be pretty deserving there.
1: Oh, Anderson's a great pick for that one. Okay, so moving on to the National League. Coaching it is Dave Roberts from the Dodgers. And then catcher Buster Posey from San Fran. First base, Freddie Freeman from Atlanta. Second base, Adam Frazier from Pittsburgh. Third base, Nolan Arenado from St. Louis shortstop Fernando Tatis Jr. from San Diego. And then in the outfield, we have Ronald Acuna Jr. from Atlanta, Nick Castellanos from Cincinnati, Jesse Winker from Cincinnati. And then pitcher they do not have named yet, which most likely is because DeGrom, I don't think he's officially opted out, but he has told reporters that he will not be there because he's preparing for the second half and would want that family time. What do you guys think about that lineup? And what do you think about DeGrom's decision?
2: I think it makes sense for DeGrom to, to opt out, to be honest, and, and, and it's a bummer. you know. I think that's one of the dangers of, of doing this in the middle of the season instead of at the end like you have in football. Um, I still think they should be doing it in the middle because it's way more fun, but you have players like Jacob DeGrom who have struggled with injuries in the past and who who have been rehabbing injuries this year and, and really need to be focusing on their health and their performance as their team is gearing up for, for a playoff push, and it it just doesn't make sense, given how fragile he has been both this year and in previous years. I think for him to to be risking that, um, and that's you see that a lot with pitchers. I mean, Kevin Gosman I think would have been the person lined up to to start with Degrom out, but he's scheduled to pitch on Sunday in the, mm-hmm. the Giants' last game, so he's obviously not going to be to be playing either. So you know, I think it's the right decision, but it's just an unfortunate situation where you then end up losing a lot of a star lot of power talented, kinda. yeah a lot of star power yeah. um so i'm curious who they replace him with because truthfully it's it's not the strongest year for national league pitchers at least as far as who's been selected the the kind of usual set suspects like max scherzer and clayton kershaw didn't make the roster so you they might get come in as reserves but they're obviously not going to slide into the starting role so i'm curious to see who they pick i think i would i would probably go with you darvish um, but I really don't think you can go wrong with, with many of those starting pitchers that are on the reserve list for the National League.
0: Wrong answer on you, Darvish. <laughs> wrong answer on you, Darvish. It's got to be Zach Wheeler.
1: It's I was going to say Zach it, Wheeler. but I think our bias, we might get casted out for it, John, but I love
3: it.
2: No. No, the you're numbers. right. You're totally right. It should be Zach Wheeler. I, we're even now, John. Yeah, we got, <laughs> yeah, we got a go. plus one now.
0: <laughs> We've each got a plus one. I mean, Zach Wheeler has re- he's nipping Jacob Degrom's heels in terms of Fangraphs wins above replacement. I think he has more Baseball Reference wins above replacement. Now Degrom, like you mentioned, has has had to leave a bunch of games early. He's missed a few starts this year, so uh, I think Zach Wheeler uh, has made an additional three starts and has gone longer into into his starts. But that's one of the things is that. You know you got to stay, you got to stay on the mound. You got to stay healthy. And Jacob Degrom has had a hard, to, as amazing as he has been this year, has had a hard time doing that. So it's Zach Wheeler to me is 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 the guy who you would slot in there, even after kind of a subpar start. His last time out against the Cubs still has a a two two six ERA, and the FIP does not tell you that he's gotten lucky. It's two three four. So you've you've got in Zach Wheeler a guy who. Is a true number one starter now. That's it, it's exactly what the Phillies were hoping for when they signed him last off a, a couple off seasons ago, and to me, he's just. It, it, you also have to look at where did when was his last start. His last start came on Wednesday. It's going to slot perfectly into having him start the All Star game, and it's something that he wants too. So you could also make an argument for a couple of the Brewers starters. You know they, those guys are have been out of control. Brandon Woodruff this year has been absolutely amazing. Um, you know Freddie Peralta has been amazing. You know you, there's any number of those guys you could use, but to me it's a Wheeler, and I don't I don't. It's not a Homer pick either. I think he legitimately <laughs> deserves the start.
2: And the best ability is availability. To your point about. Him yeah. having more innings pitched than DeGrom. There, there is a lot of value in that, and, and I'm just a bitter Giants fan sad that they <laughs> traded Wheeler before he had a chance to develop. We're, and I, no. I mentioned... I mentioned Freddie
0: Peralta a second ago. I forgot he hasn't made the All Star team, but uh, he's a guy who could get added if Degrom doesn't doesn't make his uh, doesn't if they remove him from the roster. So
1: that was one of my questions next. Now looking at both of these starting rosters, were there any surprises for you guys? Were there any misses that you thought the fans and coaches really got wrong? What were your thoughts on it?
0: Yeah, I think as far as uh, the the biggest uh, snub in the National League for me was Max Scherzer. I he. I was amazed that I mean th- there have been a bunch of good pitching performances in the National League this year and you know they 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 have had to create a couple of spots for for players you know on on teams where you're you're not necessarily going to Maybe they wouldn't. Maybe German Marquez doesn't make the All Star team over Max Scherzer if you don't need a Colorado Rocky on there. But you have Trevor Story on there too, so you know that the 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 one Rocky situation doesn't really come into play here. I'm not exactly sure how Max Scherzer kind of missed out on this roster. Uh, to me, he's the first guy I add if if they need to bring somebody else aboard here if DeGrom does officially decide to opt out.
2: So worth noting here, um, Story did not actually make the team. He's just on the Home Run Derby. So Marquez oh, right. is yeah. their only is their, right. their only representative. So. I think he is the one who uh, is taking Max Scherzer's place there. But I agree, Max Scherzer is just, that that's a tough omission to have. Um, and, you know, we can get into this more when we talk about the rule where every team has to have a representative, but it's a bummer that you have a player like Max Scherzer just isn't in this game when really he's one of the elite pitchers in all of baseball. Uh, to me, the other the other snub that jumps off the page is Manny Machado. There are a lot of really good third basemen, so there was going to be a snub there regardless. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I I think he leads the National League in wins above replacement. Um, He's certainly way up there. Uh, He's just, you know, he's an elite player. He gets a little overshadowed by how fun the star power of Fernando Tatis Jr. is. But Manny Machado is still a star player. He's still an MVP caliber player in a a slightly more fair and just uh, all-star game would, would be on the field.
1: Brady, you just mentioned it. The aspect that every team is required to have a representative, obviously, their rationale most likely behind it is the fact that this is supposed to bring the whole league together. It's supposed to bring all the fans together. So they want everybody to have somebody to root for. But what are your thoughts on it as much as fairness?
2: I hate it. It, It's been (laughs) one of my least favorite rules in baseball for as long as I can remember. Um, I I think it's just a bummer for everybody. I, I get the claim that it brings teams together and whatnot, but I don't think it brings them together the way that MLB envisioned. Like, John, you were talking about how cool it would be for an Orioles fan to have Cedric Mullins starting, and I agree with that because he's a very valid starter. I don't think any Detroit Tigers fan is going to be so excited for the All-Star game on Tuesday (laughs) so they can watch Gregory Soto. You know, the Mariners fans aren't, aren't tearing down the roof to get to the TV to watch Yusei Kikuchi instead of maybe a Chris Bassett or someone who is is a better player. Uh, So I don't think it really accomplishes that with those players that are just sneaking in. And I think at some level, it's not really the case this year, but I think at some level in the past, there have been times where it's a little almost offensive to the players who do sneak in and awkward. You know, there, there have been times where you have like relievers with a ERA in the fours that are getting into the all-star game because who else from their team is going to make it? And reliever is an easy place to like slide someone in without it being a fuss. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's kind of awkward. I I would feel kind of uncomfortable if I were Eduardo Escobar walking around at the all-star game while Manny Machado's at home. Um, all <laughs> due respect to Eduardo Escobar. Uh, and I just think it's, to me, it's just kind of a dishonest way to do an all-star game. This is meant to celebrate the best players in baseball. Um, not to give a little handout to every team. It should just be the best players in baseball. I think we should celebrate that.
0: I completely disagree. I I love I love that every team has a representative because, I, like I said, I I am one of those kids that that wanted to see Ricky Batalico in 1996 as the only as the only Phillies player at Veterans Stadium for that for that All Star game and it yes was kind of depressing at the same time. <laughs> There's no doubt about it. A couple of years ago, when Pat Nashak was the only Phillies representative, not even a closer, mind you, a middle reliever was the Phillies' only rep representative at the All-Star game. Yeah, kind of a black eye and yes, he did take a spot from somebody who probably deserved it more, but the game at the end of the day is for the fans, right? This this is an exhibition. It's an exhibition showcase for the fans and I think that most fans are happy to watch one, even if it's just one of their players play, and even if they, even if it is a pitcher like Pat Neshek, who is not a star, and and that season he was going to be traded at the trade deadline anyway. So you know he was not even going to probably finish the season <laughs> with your team. But there, there, it does give you something to watch if if you're a fan of that team, at least for me. And I I love the rule. I hope it never goes away. I think if you if you want to do like you said, Brady, and make it so that every every deserving player gets on expand the rosters make make the rosters two players bigger make it three players bigger so you can do that it's an exhibition game if everybody doesn't get a chance to play it's fine it's not a big deal but at the very least you you get everybody or most players who deserve and you still are able to let every team have a representative there so just expand the rosters a few players you solve this problem and you still get to allow fans to have at least one of their players play in the midsummer classic
2: I like that. that That's a that's a fun solution. Plus, you then get to keep all the merchandise dollars of every team being able to have a, exactly. an all star jersey. <laughs> exactly.
1: If you expand the rosters, I mean, obviously it's not by a lot, but does it take away from the sentiment of having all star player on a guy's career list or achievement list?
0: I don't think so, because you know it's as as we've expanded in Major League Baseball. There's just you know there's 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 more teams now, and so I think it would make sense that the roster expands just a little bit. I mean, um, you know we we've. I guess there, there's some argument to be made for that, but I, to me, it wouldn't. To me, you wouldn't necessarily. I mean, as it is now, you look at Pat Neshek, you look at Ricky Botalico, two two relievers that that you know were lone representatives. But you know, I don't think it has necessarily sullied anything that that they made the All Star team. And if you expanded it a couple different, uh, a couple different, you know, by two or three different roster spots, to me, it doesn't. It wouldn't hurt things at all.
2: Yeah, I don't think it. W- I don't think it would sully it much as as long as you're staying within kind of those parameters you were describing, John, where where it's Made to include the players who got snubbed because of this. Fool. Yes, deserve if You it. just add a few. So, so you, yeah, so you're getting your Max Scherzers and your Chris Bassett's and your Manny Machado's in there. Mm-hmm. I think that's even better.
1: Now, another topic that might get you guys going, I know it gets John going the uniforms this year. <laughs> John, I know you were already telling us a little bit pre show. That you're very disappointed that everybody's got kind of actual uniforms instead of their regular team uniform and representation. What makes you so mad about it? Yeah.
0: What, what are we? What, I mean, what are we doing here? Why? Why <laughs> are we? Why are we ruining something that works? And, and I'm a uniform guy, so I I've always enjoyed you know uniforms as they've evolved through the years. I'm a big '80s '90s throwback uniform guy, so I I love all the. I miss all the powder blues. That was. Common oh, throughout yes. Major League Baseball mm-hmm. back, in the, back in the 70s and 80s and, you know, some of, the, some of the classic uniforms. You saw the Padres go back to the brown and the yellow, which is just amazing. Um, when the Nationals do a throwback to the Expos uniforms, I think that's phenomenal. I hope Montreal gets a team and they call themselves the Expos and bring the old uniforms back, bring Yuppie back, and the whole thing. I'm a nostalgia guy. And so one of my favorite things as a kid was watching the All-Star game and seeing all the uniforms at the same time. And seeing all the logos at the same time, seeing all the hats at the same time—those old pirates pillbox hats and and everything like that—I was just, I'm a total mark for for all that kind of stuff. And now, you've got not only are they all the same, like, dark blue or dark red or whatever they are, you know, they're ugly looking. They're they're they were invented by a small child somewhere in a in a room, you know, someplace in 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 MLB headquarters. I just. It takes away from from the from the visual beauty of it. I think you know, it's it just makes it kind of blah. It makes it, you know, it's it's just it, it looks like a it looks like a a, a, a slow pitch softball all star league. You know, I mean, I just get let the players wear the old unit wear their own uniforms and 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 get them, you know, so you can see them all at one time. I hate it. I hate that they did this. But again, it's for
2: marketing. That's why they did it.
1: Brady, what about you? Does it bother you as much?
2: Yeah, th- this is a historic day, John and I. Are, are on the exact same page here. <laughs> it I I despise it. And, and, and like John said, it's for marketing. It, you make more money. You, I'm sure these things cost like $400 and I'm sure people are going to eat them up the way people are eating up the awful City Connect jerseys for some reason yeah. Yeah. that I don't understand. But I hate it for all those same reasons. I mean, we were talking about the American League outfield, Cedric Mullins potentially replacing Mike Trout in the outfield. I was just thinking of an outfield with a Baltimore Orioles jersey of Cedric Mullins, the pinstripes of Aaron Judge, and a baby blue Teoscar Hernandez jersey. That's beautiful. That's that's the first thing I think of when when I think of the All Star Game is an outfield with three different jerseys, an infield with four different jerseys, different colored caps, different color schemes. It's it's just a, it's a celebration, really. When when you look at a, at a field that's not just full of the best players, but full of all these different jerseys with different colors and designs. That to me is how we really celebrate 30 teams getting together and putting their best players forward uh, for an exhibition game. And, and I remember as a kid watching them with the, with all their own jerseys and it was just so fun. It, it's just so fun to see so many different jerseys in one game and so many different colors and, and everyone wearing the jerseys that they, they wear 162 games a year that, that that's how you identify them in that jersey. And and um, you lose a lot, in my opinion, when you when you put them all in the same jerseys and, and make them look like they're an intramural team or something. It's, it's yeah, I,
1: I agree with you guys wholeheartedly on that topic. And also, I think one point is not every single fan watching the All-Star Game is a super fan. You know, so there are going to be people right. that pay attention to the National League and hear people that they might want to cheer for on the American League or see and want to become a fan of, and they're not going to realize what team they are on. And I think that's a right. big aspect that's missing from it as well. Um, one thing we haven't gotten into yet is the fact that the All-Star game was supposed to take place at Truist Park in Atlanta, but was moved to Coors Field in Denver due to political reasons. So now let's welcome in a guest, Demetrius Bell of Talking Chop, to find out more on the situation. Demetrius, thank you for joining us.
3: Thank you for having me.
1: We're going to get right into it. You've written about it before. You're from Georgia. The MLB draft and All-Star weekend were originally supposed to take place in Atlanta in 2020, then obviously got pushed back because of the pandemic and then ultimately was moved to Coors Field in Denver due to political reasons. Can you give us a walkthrough of the reason for the move?
3: Basically, all this stems from is there was a huge controversy here in Georgia when uh Joe Biden won Georgia. For the most part, this is all like a reaction from uh, Brian Kemp and the Republicans in the state who came up with the law that... It was basically like a very restrictive voting law. And, you know, you've heard people saying like, oh, there's nothing in the in the law that says that, oh, they're specifically targeting black voters. But if you read the bill and if like you see what the spirit of the bill is, it's very clear who they were targeting with that. And while it's it's a huge bummer that they did take it out, because like like I pointed out in the article I wrote, I was definitely looking forward to going to basically all that mm-hmm. stuff. I look at the Home Run Derby, I get real sad because like they added like people like Juan Soto into it and Shohei Ohtani. And so it's a huge bummer. But at the same time, it makes sense. If you're doing stuff that is restrictive to people when it comes to their basic rights, such as voting, then, you know, sometimes you have to pay the consequences. And so it's a huge bummer, but it was something that, in my opinion, like, I can understand them doing it.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask that. As a black man yourself who's from the Atlanta area and covers the Braves, what were your thoughts initially on MLB's decision to move the events? Obviously, you said you were bummed. Did you agree with it right away? Did you have to, like, kind of look into it
3: more? Well, like, I had to, like, look into it considering the history of events like this being moved out of other cities because of similar uh, infringements on human rights. Like, uh, I know one example I brought was the uh, Super Bowl being moved out of Tempe, Arizona, because they didn't want to acknowledge Martin Luther King Day as a holiday. Mm-hmm. They literally moved that Super Bowl out of there until they acknowledged it as a holiday, and then they eventually had Super Bowl Thirty there. And so, again, like, it was a huge bummer, but I understood why. Like, you know, you hear folks talking about, like, how... um, Oh, it's, it's like a huge, uh, detriment, financial detriment to the city of Atlanta and the surrounding area. And like that may be true. That there may be like some local businesses who may have like been losing out on a little bit of foot traffic that would have come from the mm-hmm. all star weekend. But at the same time, like, you know, all those would have been like very negligible because like you hear this all the time when it comes to like people who are threatening to like leave the city because of they're trying to build a new stadium. So I feel like it was in a similar vein here and stuff like that. Initially, it was a, it was a barn, but like once you had to look into the history of, how leagues have treated issues like this, it, it made sense and it fell in line with what has been done in the past.
1: Yeah, you brought up how the NFL moved the Super Bowl out of Arizona because of Martin Luther King Day not being recognized as a holiday in that state. But then also in your article, you mentioned, um, the NBA most recently moved the 2017 All-Star Weekend out of Charlotte because of their di- discriminatory, um, bill that was passed against the LGBTQ community. So with those going on or happening before, they did eventually reversed the laws and then brought the events back into those states. Do you see Atlanta reversing this law? And then if so, do you see the All-Star Weekend coming back to Atlanta?
3: When it comes to Georgia, it's it's a very tricky situation because I think I mentioned in that article that the only reason why those situations changed is because the uh, power situation at the top changed. However, because of what they're doing with the voting restrictions, like, it makes it very difficult to where they could actually go on there and mess around with the election results should, you know, Governor Kemp's position come under fire in an election. So my thinking is that, like, even if he does, like, you know, lose the election, he could, you know, still find a way to cling on to power. And if he does cling on to power, then the law is definitely not going to change at that point. So I, of course, I can't, like, predict the future, but, like, as far as what well, I think, it's it's looking a little grim in that department. But we'll have Yeah, to see. more
1: of a hope. And hopefully it happens soon, but you don't know exactly when to predict when it happens. Yeah,
3: I will add that like if uh, that voting rights bill that they've been talking about in Congress, if they pass that, then maybe that will change some stuff. But until then, it's not looking good in that department.
1: Now, the Braves, they didn't have the most appropriate response to the move, stating that they were deeply disappointed in the MLB's decision and that they could have used this event as a platform to enhance the discussion about the new voter laws. Were you disappointed by the Braves' response?
3: Oh, yeah, because I was definitely disappointed because it seemed, it didn't feel like they were a little, I want to say genuine in that, especially since like they have spent this season dedicating it to Hank Aaron, of all people, who is, uh, he would have definitely been outspoken against that, uh, the voting rights bill that was passed. So hearing that coming from the Braves, it seemed like, you know, they were trying to talk like, two sides out of their mouth, because, like, at once on one side, they're trying to honor Hank Aaron and his legacy and what he stood for, but at the same time, they're trying to say that, oh, it was a bad idea to do something that Hank Aaron would have been in favor of, more than likely.
1: Yeah, that was my next question about Hank Aaron. Do you think, I mean, he's known as being one of a civil rights activist as, as well as with his, obviously, iconic baseball career. So, do you think he would have really stepped out and went against the Braves in this? Because it is hypocritical, as you could say, because... Yeah. They're honoring him all, se-
3: all year. Well, I wouldn't say that he would you know, have like a fiery response or anything like that, but I definitely believe that he probably would have put out like a statement that would have clearly put where his position was at and it more than likely would have been in contrary to what the Braves put out in their statement.
1: Now, Demetrius, thank you so much for joining us again. Before we let you go, let everyone know where they can find you and some of the work you do and all of your social media platforms they can reach out to.
3: Okay, so you can find me at Talking Chop, where I uh, post today or usually post blogs about the Atlanta Braves and their goings on from time to time. And also, I write about sports logos and uniforms for Ford Sports. And occasionally, you can see me on Baseball Prospectus. And my social media is at Fergo on Twitter, F-E-R-G-O-E. And that's about it.
1: Perfect. For everyone else, stay tuned for more SB Nation All-Star Weekend previews brought to you by T-Mobile. Welcome back to SV Nation's MLB All-Star Weekend Preview brought to you by T-Mobile. Guys, let's look more into the other aspects from around the league. So first half stories we want to look at. We mentioned Jacob deGrom already, and we most likely won't see him in the All-Star game. But he's having an incredible season on the mound, one that's probably the best for all, I mean, I'm a little younger than you guys, but one of the best that we've probably all been <laughs> able to see. Um, he's pitched 92 innings so far, has a seven and two record, a 1.08 ERA, and 146 strikeouts so far. What can you guys speak on that?
0: Well, I mean, he has been the best pitcher in baseball for the last couple of years. Um, he's now moving into that upper echelon of of you know, pe- classic Pedro Martinez type stuff here, even. Better than classic Pedro Martinez, and he's he's essentially cementing himself as a Hall of Famer, which is kind of cool to watch happen in real time. You know, you get to see a guy, and and the funny thing about Jacob Degrom is that when he when he was in the minors, he he didn't throw like this. He he didn't have this kind of velocity. He wasn't throwing 98, 99, hundred miles an hour. So nobody really kind of saw this coming from him. I think he he was a pretty good prospect, but he was never a guy where you thought there's a there's a future Hall of Famer there, but it just goes to show you that when you get to the major league level, you can still continue to develop as a player. It doesn't all happen in the minor leagues. And so watching him do what he's done since he came to the big league level is really kind of amazing. And to have the season he's having, I know it's the year of the pitcher, but even, even once major league baseball started checking for the sticky stuff, the numbers didn't drop off. He's continuing to do what he does. And it's kind of amazing to see. So we, we haven't seen, we haven't seen, I mean, this, I guess the the comparison is like to, to Clayton Kershaw at his best just from uh, last decade, you know, is I think what we're seeing might even be a little bit more impressive than what Clayton Kershaw was doing when, when Kershaw was in his prime just a few years ago.
2: Yeah, it's been, it's been just phenomenal to watch above all else, but, but to John's point of DeGrom kind of not necessarily being this big of a prospect, I mean, few people ever are big enough prospect that you expect this type of greatness out of them. But uh, to me, he's, he's kind of the poster boy for this, this era of, of Major League Baseball, where you're seeing a lot of teams with, with new, modern analytics departments, developmental staffs, and they're really being able to take players and and help them reach levels that you didn't think they'd be able to reach if you were watching them in high school or college or even in the minors, sometimes even their first few years in the majors. And so to me, DeGrom, the way that he's been able to increase his velocity, the way he's been able to increase his spin rate, the way that he's been able to hone in on certain pitches, to me, it just all screams this new era of baseball where you're really able to to get the most out of these players. Uh, and you it's not always going to be the player who looked the best when they were 20 or looked the best in A. There are some of these diamonds in the rough that look like they'll be all right. And then you give them the right tools. You tap into something that they can change mechanically or philosophically. And suddenly you have a player who, like John said, is, is blossoming into a, a Hall of Famer right before our eyes. Um, and really the dominance is, I mean, you said Pedro Martinez, John. I think that's a, a perfect comparison. Um, I do think he's been better this year than than we've seen, even from the best of Clayton Kershaw. Um, you really have to go to a, to a player like Pedro Martinez, to see this type of dominance where you're not just putting up good numbers, but you really look unhittable. I mean, DeGrom had four earned runs through his first 12 starts. He's had double-digit strikeouts seven times in 15 starts, Uh, 14 or more strikeouts four times in 15 starts. That's on pace to have eight or nine games of 14 or more strikeouts. We don't usually get that from all of baseball in a season. Um, right. So the way he's been doing it, uh, it looks sustainable, which is amazing. It's just fun to watch because there are a few things in baseball. I know everyone loves home runs, but there are a <laughs> few things in baseball that are as exciting as a pitcher who just generally, genuinely looks like he can't be hit.
0: Yeah, it, it's reminiscent of Bob Gibson in the 60s, which well, I am too young for. So I just <laughs> to clear that up. But if you look at the if you look at the numbers from Bob Gibson in the 60s, I mean, this is what Bob Gibson did. He was he was so far head and shoulders ahead of where the hitters were at that time. Uh, he was just overpowering and could do whatever he wanted out there, and that—that's kind of what we're seeing with Degrom right now. It is a—it's a, a modern-day uh, Bob Gibson. It's—it is. You're right. We—we we hear a lot about oh, there's too many strikeouts, there's too many walks, and listen, there's a fair amount of that is a fair amount of that is is accurate and true, and we need more balls put in play. But the special pitchers, no one ever complained about watching Nolan Ryan strike out. 5,000 some odd players. So there are some pitchers who do it with a little bit of flair and it's, it's kind of fun to watch. And, you know, when you watch DeGrom, he could throw a perfect game any night that he's out there.
1: Another player that's having a fantastic year, Shohei Otani. He's been called superhuman. He's been called the modern-day Babe Ruth, which I know neither of you guys were around for. (laughs) Um, He's been pitching. He'll throw a ball over 100 miles per hour and then go and hit a 450-foot home run the next half inning. He's got 12 stolen bases, so it's not even like he just needs to jog. He's an actual all-around athlete. He could hit the 60-home run mark this year. What about that? Is there anybody that you can think of in your time that even compares to the, I don't even know what to call him, superhuman and modern day Babe Ruth is really the closest thing I can think to compare to him. Is there anything else that you guys can think of?
2: You have to go way, way back before my time to to find anyone doing anything comparable in my eyes. Um, what he's doing is, it's just on a different level. It, it's It just hasn't been done in In so long, Um, and I don't think anyone thought it would ever be done that we could have a two-way player in this era where pitchers are throwing as hard as they can Mm -hmm. and have as many specialty pitches as they can. you know, the reason that pitchers are such bad hitters is hitting is just so hard now, and you need to dedicate so much time to the timing of it. Uh, And most pitchers aren't going to do that, can't do that, wouldn't have good results even if they did do that. it's really just unprecedented, unprecedented, and I really don't think anyone thought that, that this could happen. And I, I remember when Shohei Otani got posted, you know, however many years ago that was, and, and I really wanted the Giants to sign him because I just liked the concept. I've always wanted a two-way player. I thought that was just so much fun, um, and I expected, oh, maybe you're a number four, number five starter, and a decent you know, six or seven hitter in the lineup. And instead, what we have is the best home run hitter in baseball right now, And one of the best pitchers, genuinely one of the best pitchers with a few of the best pitches. And Mm -hmm. that's just ridiculous to not only be a star uh, on both ends, but to be someone who would who is competing for a Cy Young as a pitcher and would be competing for an MVP as a hitter, even if you took out his contributions as a pitcher. It's 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 unbelievable.
0: Yeah. I mean, when you think about the reason why pitchers have traditionally never been really good hitters is that if you're going to be a, a really successful major league hitter, you spend all of your time on that craft, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you are breaking down video of every pitcher. You're working in the cage on your swing over and over again. You're, you're focused and you're doing your field work, but you're focusing on being a hitter. That is your job. If you're going to be a really good major league pitcher, one of the best major league pitchers in baseball, that's all you do. You're not exhausting yourself by being in the cage all the time. And, and you're, you know, you're you're constantly working on your grip. You're constantly looking at your mechanics. You're constantly looking at everything like that to, to kind of figure out, you know, what you can do better. You know, and you're constantly looking at scouting reports of hitters you're going to face coming up. So... I don't even know logistically how Shohei Otani manages to to do both of these things other than he's just so naturally, so much more naturally gifted than any other Major League Baseball player we have seen perhaps ever in the history of the league that it's it's really hard to quantify what he's doing. The fact that he can go out there and he can lead Major League Baseball in home runs and, and steal bases and to hit for a high average and, and a good on-base percentage. I mean, it's not like he's just, these are empty home runs. I mean, he's he's producing every single night that he's out there and then go out on the mound and, and be one of the better pitchers in the American league. It's, it's, we haven't ever seen anything like this before. I mean, we used to get excited when Madison Bumgarner would come to the plate because think, oh, Bumgarner is a pretty good pitcher, a hitter for a pitcher. You know, he hits the 250, 260, he hits about, you know, five or six bombs a year. But the Giants never had any thought of having him play the outfield when he wasn't pitching. And, you know, Shohei Otani has the advantage of being able to DH while he's in the American League. So that's that's a big thing. And the Giants never had that with Bumgarner. But, you know, Zach Greinke was another guy who, who, who could always hit as a pitcher. You know, there have, been, there have been pitchers who could hit. But you never, ever looked at any of those guys as being an everyday player on the four days that they don't pitch. And then a guy who takes the mound and shoves every fifth day. So, no. And I don't even know. And Babe Ruth, you know, Babe Ruth didn't really hit his heights as a power hitter until he stopped pitching. So when you look at Babe Ruth, he didn't pitch throughout his career as well as hit. What we're seeing with Otani is something that we may never see again because baseball's been played for a really long time. We've never (laughs) seen anything like this
2: before. And it's only getting harder to to do it, in my opinion, with with the talent and and the advancements in in player performance and, and physicality. I mean, you know, Babe Ruth, even if he had been doing what Otani was doing, he would have been doing it off of, you know, eighty five mile an hour pitches instead of hundred mile an hour pitches. Uh, the sport's getting harder and, and being able to do what Otani's doing is is getting harder, I think.
1: I think I know your or I know what you guys are gonna say on this next question, but do you feel that Otani's stardom, I guess you can say, I feel like everywhere you look about baseball, it's always Shohei Otani, Shohei Otani. Do you feel like it's stealing some of DeGrom's season and stardom that he's having this year? And do you think it's rightfully so?
0: I think Major League Baseball has been waiting for Shohei Otani and a story like this because, in sports, there are certain players that transcend the sport. Right? I mean, basketball has a number of those, a number of those guys. But guys like, but guys like LeBron and Kobe and all those guys, they they transcend the sport. You know, football has some of those guys. Brady is one of those guys. Aaron Rodgers is one of those guys. Baseball has been looking for a guy like that for some time. Mike Trout. They've always wanted Mike Trout to be that guy. And Trout just has never been interested in being that transcendent figure, transcendent player for sure, but not that transcendent figure. Shohei Otani is that guy, you know, he does again now he's from Japan. So he, he doesn't necessarily, you know, he's, he's not going to be doing car commercials just, just yet because he's still getting acclimated to living life in the United States. I'm sure, you know, it's, it's definitely not, you know, he's English is not his first language. So there's probably a lot of that going on, but I don't know how well he speaks English or, or anything like that, but just the fact that he is doing what he's doing, he's not just a sports story he's a news story and baseball hasn't had a guy like that in a long time i'm trying to think of the last guy who was a, a news story in a good way you know like the astros were a news story in a bad way you know you've got you've had players come down the pike the steroid era players in a bad way becoming news stories shohei otani is the first real good news story probably gosh i i can't remember the last one since the sosa mcguire home run chase and and even that in later years got tainted so it's it's definitely it's it's i don't think there's anything wrong with him overshadowing jacob de because this this is an unprecedented story
2: yeah i i fully agree it's unprecedented is is really the perfect word for it um you know john mentioned earlier that that otani has a case for being the most talented player in major league history i think there's a case that this is the most impressive season in yeah. major league history um, what he's doing it really might go down as as the greatest, most impressive season we've ever seen, and he might turn around and and do better next year. For all we know, um, so yeah, I don't have any problem just because you know what Degrom is doing is great, it's elite, it's incredible. We've seen it a lot of times, and what Otani's doing is truly transcendent. With that said, I do think baseball um, over the last. 20 or so years, maybe even more, has had a very difficult time um, promoting itself, has had a very difficult time marketing its star players. Um, So just because Otani should be the top billing, I don't think excuses Major League Baseball for doing such a bad job with DeGrom and with other players. Those players should be promoted more heavily. We should... We should see more of them. Uh, We should have more reason to get excited. There should be a a larger reach to players out or to fans outside of their team's market. Um, I think Major League Baseball has really failed there. So I think DeGrom deserves more. Um, But he doesn't deserve whatever he deserves. Otani deserves even more because he is he is a superstar at the highest level.
1: Now, the MLB trade deadline is coming up at the end of the month. What are your guys top moves, top players to watch? These next few weeks,
2: I'm very curious to see if Max Scherzer gets traded. Uh, I know there's been a lot of talk there. It's always a difficult thing uh, with a Scott Boris client, um, and there have been a lot of you know rumors and reports that um, that they won't accept a trade unless it comes with an extension as well. And our team's going to be willing to do that. I'm not sure, but um, you know that's that's the one player who I really see as being a potentially available needle mover who could create a very interesting dynamic at the trade deadline. But as for a larger story that I'm really interested in is is just to see what what the market becomes at the deadline. Because the trade deadline has really been shifting a lot in the last few years. And especially as teams become a little bit more analytically savvy, they've been more hesitant to part with prospects. They've been happier to look for maybe waiver wire claims or under-the-radar players who they think they can make a tweak on and develop a little bit and have them fill that hole. We're not seeing quite as many of those big packages where teams are trading, you know, a top 10 prospect for a rental reliever. That just isn't happening very much. But there are so many teams this year that have to feel like they legitimately have a chance to compete for a World Series, um, Mm -hmm. but aren't even a guarantee to get in the playoffs. It's just been that kind of a year. That we might end up with a bidding war that forces some of these teams that have been hesitant to give up assets are suddenly going to have to do it just to to stay in that bidding war.
0: Yeah. And to Brady's point, the starting pitching market is really weak. And, and given where the Nationals are in the National League East, they got on a hot streak when when Kyle Schwarber was was going nuts. I'm not so sure they're going to be looking to, to sell Max Scherzer. And if Max Scherzer is not on the block, the best guy probably is Kyle Gibson of the Rangers. And I, I, I'm not moving big pieces if, if Kyle Gibson is, is my number one target. I think the most fascinating team to watch here is what the Yankees do. You know, I think Fangraphs has them at like 38% to make the playoffs. That's not a small percentage. Certainly teams have come back from much longer odds to, to go to the postseason. But you've got in the division the Red Sox, who are playing really well. You've got a Rays team that went to the World Series last year and has a lot of young talent. And you've got the Blue Jays, who I think are a better team than the Yankees right now. So the Yankees, I think, are the fourth best team in that division right now. Do they contemplate trading away Aaron Judge? You know, Aaron Judge is going to be a free agent after this year. Um, you know, they they could go out and they could trade uh, Aroldis Chapman. You know, they could tra- trade Chad Green. If they're, The idea of a Yankees sell-off just seems so ant- ant- antithetical of what they normally do. But it might be the smart thing for them to do, to, to deal away Aaron Judge. And I, that's going to be a fascinating... A fascinating couple of weeks for Brian Cashman. Does does he have the stones to trade away Aaron Judge? Would the New York fan base let him do that if he felt it was the right thing for the team? I'm not so sure that, they, that he can.
1: Real quick, do you guys see anything with the National League West, anything mo- happening out there to push some of those teams up higher, get the leverage out there?
2: I don't actually think that any of those teams are going to get too crazy at the deadline, to be honest. I think they all have a process that they believe in. Um, You know, the Dodgers have been arguably baseball's best team for many years now. Um, They're not one to panic, especially with the amount of players that they're going to be welcoming back off the injured list. Uh, I think the Padres have already sold so many assets to get to the point where they're at. uh, And they're pretty comfortable with their team, even though they're third in the division. And the Giants, I just I just don't see the Giants being willing to to give up any assets, maybe a small move here and there. Uh, But they're overperforming. They're way ahead of expectations. They're way ahead of schedule. Um, I'm sure a lot of fans would love them to swing a a big move to try and stay ahead of the Dodgers. But in reality, as good as they've been this year, they're still looking a little bit down the road. And I don't think they're going to part with anything. So in their own unique ways, I think all three of those teams are, are pretty comfortable with where they are. And I don't see any of them really giving up any big prospects unless, you know, John brought up Aaron Judge, which would be a fascinating case, and and we know that the Dodgers don't just sit around and let – players yeah. like Aaron Judge hit the market and, and not start calling the phones so if there's if there's a big name out there the Dodgers are always going to get in
0: yeah that's what I was going to say too I, I think the Dodgers if you're going to I think they're I think they have to be nervous by what they're seeing from the Padres and the Giants too and I, I wonder about a second half fade from the Giants but I mean they're getting so much good production from their from their veterans and Pose, you know, Posey and, and Crawford and it just it's Gossman I don't know if Gossman can continue to do what he's been doing so far this year but um I I, I i would expect i would expect the giants to fade a little bit here in the second half and for this to become a two-team race but that being said the dodgers never sit still the dodgers never just just hang on i mean they won their world series last year so the pressure's off but i i still think that this is a franchise that that wants to wants to create a dynasty for themselves and so yeah i could easily see them going out and and strengthening a starting pitching rotation, which at the beginning of the year, everybody thought was loaded, but has suffered some injuries. You don't know what Kershaw is going to, how long he's going to be out. You don't know what he's going to be like when he gets back. And so uh, there's a couple things the Dodgers could do that. I think if, if any team's going to make a push, it's going to be them.
1: Now there have been some rule changes this year. I'm just curious, which one do you guys think is the most ridiculous? Which ones do you like? So obviously we have the sticky stuff, Checking pitchers. Um, There's also talk about making an all-around DH for the whole league and then the extra innings free base runner kind of thing. Which one bothers you guys most?
0: Well, for me, the one that bothers me the most is the extra innings free base runner. I mean, we're not playing wiffle ball. What are, what are we doing here? I mean, is it is it really going to hurt us to have a 15 inning baseball game? One of the you know some of again, what makes baseball really crazy and kooky and one of the greatest games and the most the games that you really remember are the 18-inning games. The 19-inning games, they're unicorns. They don't happen very often. They don't happen every year. So when they happen, it's okay. Yes, you have to figure out as a manager how you're going to deal with that for the next few days. It can can mess you up for a week. It sure can. Score a run, you know? I mean, then you don't have a 19-inning game. There's a solution to this. Score a run. Beat the team earlier. I it does give you more action having the base runner start on second base with nobody out. But it's, to me, it's a weasel's way out. I I just, I don't like that role. I want to see teams that you have to, as a manager be thinking, you know, if this game goes long, I can't blow everyone in the first nine innings of this game. Otherwise, I'm going to be up a tree if this game goes into the 14th or 15th inning. So everybody who wants managers to be having to, to think ahead and to think you know multiple moves down the road, they don't have to do that if they know the game's not going to go past the 10th or 11th inning. So I think it's silly. I think it's dumb. And somebody brought up an interesting point to me, too. What if there is a pitcher who has a perfect game and he pitches into the 10th inning? And you get the runner to start on second base and they sacrifice the guy over to third base and hit a sacrifice wow. fly to score the winning run. The guy has not given up a hit or a walk. He has not put anybody on base and yet he loses one to nothing. Is that a perfect game? That's why it's a dumb rule.
1: <laughs> For you, Brady? I
2: could, I could not agree more with anything you said. That Everything <laughs> I co-sign a million percent. I've had this debate with a lot of people about the perfect game, whether that qualifies as a perfect game or not um everyone has seems to have very strong opinions as as to whether that does um except me i'm i am i i'm so lost on it because everything about this <laughs> yeah. rule is so stupid i don't know how i feel about it yeah, yeah it's it, it's very weird but so i think that the extra inning rule is you know they're selling it as health and safety trying to keep teams from getting over exerted and blah 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 to me what it really is about is rob manfred thinking, you just watched nine innings of baseball. There's no way you want to watch more of this. Yeah. You're, you're done. You're tired. You, you And and I hate that. I hate the idea that I just invested three hours of my life watching this game, and now you're going to arbitrarily change the rules mm-hmm. so that you can make it end? That is just, <laughs> it's ridiculous to me. I watch baseball because I love baseball. You want to give me a 10th, 11th, 12th inning? Great. That's three more innings than I thought I was going to get when I sat down on the couch. That is, that's what I want as a baseball fan, and I feel like, you know, not to go on a tangent here, but baseball in general has gone in this general direction of instead of trying to make baseball be baseball, they're, they're kind of trying to pander to people who don't like baseball. And that's, that's a very weird thing to me. And, and I'm also just fundamentally opposed to the idea of having rules change in, at, at certain points of the game. Like, it, Why would you have a different rule in the 10th inning? than you had in the first nine innings. That's that's a different yeah. sport you're now playing, and that's uh, that's silly to me. As as for your other questions, Sam, about, about rules that we like, truthfully, I don't really like any of them, um, any of these new rules that have been coming up, other than the um, expanded roster to 26 players. I, I think that's a good one. Um, but the sticky stuff is, is an interesting one for me. I don't have a strong opinion about it one way or another, but the one thing I do like about it is the consistency that is at least somewhat being applied now. And it's gone to ridiculous levels. I think, you know, having players get undressed on the field a few times a game is ridiculous and and they need to find a different way to uh, enforce consistency. But whether you are banning substances or totally allowing them, uh, what there needs to be is a consistent enforcement and a consistent rule for it so that we're not having situations like we've had in the past where some players, you know, are using it, but then other players are getting uh, stopped by other teams asking for checks and whatnot and you just end up with everyone all over the place choose one side and and go with it
0: right i'm reminded of the that scene in the naked gun where uh, leslie nielsen goes out to check the pitcher and he's got a jar of vaseline under his hat and then they find like a like a powers drill or something in his back pocket or something like that i mean yeah there are there have been rules in place against uh against foreign substances for a while um there, there i think there would have been a there was a better way to to do this, to, to, to enforce this, then to just spring it on everybody in the middle of the season. That being said, pitchers should not be allowed to use any more than just the bare minimum of what they need to be able to hold the baseball and not have it slip out of their hands. Um, as for the DH around con- universal DH, bring me the universal DH. Yeah. I'm a National League guy, no more pitchers hitting, give me the universal DH. It's part of my brand hashtag DH to the national. <laughs> League.
1: Okay. So real quick, before we leave this episode, We have some rapid fire, fun prop bets. Now we created these, so don't go looking for them. I don't know. One or two might pop up because they might like them. But real quick, you guys got like a second on either of these. Over, under, 10 total runs scored.
0: Over. For the all-star game? Under.
1: And what'd you say, Brady? Over. Over. I like it. Who hits the first home run, the AL or the NL? And a bonus if you give me a player.
0: Uh I'll say NL and give me Pete Alonso. Oh no no Pete Alonzo's not in the starting lineup. What am I talking about? Uh starting lineup, uh, give me uh Freddie Freeman.
2: I'll go AL and Salvador Perez.
1: The first out. Is it a strikeout, a ground out, or a fly out?
2: Strikeout. Strikeout.
1: How fast will the first pitch be? You gotta think it's 90... gonna be a fastball, right?
0: Yeah, ninety-eight miles an hour. I'll go ninety-nine. Hey, okay.
1: <laughs> How many total pitches will be used? Or pitchers will be used?
0: Let's see. You probably have like seven or eight per side. I'll say 16. I'm
1: going to go 14. How many strikeouts
0: total? A billion?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a billion feels like the right answer. Um I will go with 26. Yeah, I was going to say Ooh, 25. Like that sounds about right. Yeah.
1: And finally, who wins MVP?
2: Shohei.
0: Shohei. It just feels in it feels just like it's it's destiny.
1: Oh, what an incredible ending that would be. Thank you all so much for joining us on SV Nation's first MLB All-Star Game Preview, powered by T-Mobile. Make sure you rate and subscribe now. Also, be sure to follow us all on social media. You can find me at SamWills18 on Twitter and Instagram. John, where can they find you?
0: At the unique Twitter handle, at (laughs) John Stolness.
1: So creative. What about you, Brady?
2: (laughs) At the um, poorly branded for this episode, at Brady Klopfer NBA.
1: Oh, there you
2: go.
1: (laughs) We'll be back early Monday morning for our reactions to round one of the MLB draft, as well as hosting a live show during the Home Run Derby on Monday night. We'll also have some special guests joining us throughout the weekend. So make sure to look out for those. But for now, we'll talk to you later.